Hello, and welcome to Tech in Maine Presents. Thank you for joining another episode of Tech in Maine Presents, where we bring you the best insights from today's leaders and experts in technology. Today, we will be speaking with Keon Williams of CLASS, Cyber Leadership and Strategy Solutions, LLC, in Atlanta, Georgia. Keon, say hello to the Tech in Maine Presents audience. Greetings. It's a pleasure to be here. Keon, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be with us and just really appreciate what you're about to share. I think it's going to be great information for our audience. And before we get into what you're doing there at Class LLC, why don't you share a little bit of your background with our audience? Sure. So if you looked at my life timeline and you started at the beginning and you're looking at where I am now, none of it really makes sense. So I started out in accounting academically because of a car accident and a wonderful woman taking pity on me, giving me a job to help pay for the damages that I caused. I ended up working in a help desk. At the very beginning of my career, I was a cable monkey running ethernet cables to replace thin net cables in a very large building. So it was dirty, sweaty work. I did it with a good attitude. They added me to the help desk and the sky has been the limit from there. And so kind of starting at the Georgia World Congress Center, going into the army and being a chemical weapons specialists, you know, returning to civilian life and working at the Centers for Disease Control for 14 years in various roles to running my own professional services company. It really has been an interesting collection of activities and experiences that allow me to do what I'm doing today. Keon, you literally are the most interesting man in the world. Uh, <laughs> that was my favorite commercial series. I tried to exemplify that without the beer and just kind of <laughs> hang out and have a good time and bring all those experiences together to really just have good conversations with people so that they know, hey, I'm just a regular guy. I could have been in a bean counter. I could have been a chemical engineer. I've just decided to dedicate all of my time and effort to security leadership. Well, Keon, first, thank you for your service. It's interesting, and I'm seeing this theme run throughout the guests and different people that I'm talking to that have a cybersecurity interest or that are some way involved with cybersecurity. Seems like they all have military backgrounds, whether that's domestic or international. It's just a very interesting, consistent theme that I'm seeing with the people that I've been talking to. You know, I would argue that some of our best security leaders globally have military or law enforcement backgrounds. Uh, what you get from that professionally, regardless of your specialty, is a consistent culture and temperament. You know, you think about the U.S. military, because I know people from other militaries, but in the U.S. military and in the Army specifically, one of the great cultural benefits is that they teach that everybody down to the lowest ranking soldier knows the mission, knows how they're contributing, is willing to sacrifice life and limb for the accomplishment of the mission. And usually that mission is done in the service of others. So, you know, regardless of where you stand politically, whether you lean to the left or to the right, the military is an apolitical organization and they're just trying to serve a mission. And I think that's a great cultural foundation for security people where it's not really about generating revenue and the biases that come with that as a driving force. We're just trying to protect the business, protect the stakeholders, protect the information that the organization has gathered. So there are a lot of parallels in mindset between military service and cybersecurity service. Thank you for that explanation, because that now helps put things in perspective. That training and that background, as you just described it, is so very applicable to what a business needs when it comes to cybersecurity. So I appreciate that. All right. Well, Keon, let's talk about Class LLC. What is it that has you most excited about your work there at Class LLC? 
so when I formed the company, the acronym was just a play on words. So, you know, class can represent being classy. It can represent education. It can represent a pristine approach to doing things. And so if you kind of decompose the acronym and look at the cyber leadership and strategy solutions, which is what's represented by class, I'm really excited about some of the strategic development that the company has been doing. We have some great clients where we're helping them develop a cybersecurity strategy for their corporate security programs. I also work with service providers to help them develop a strategy for how they're going to deliver cybersecurity services to their clients. Uh, the other cool thing is that class, you know, kind of leads people to think about education and about 50% of my revenue in the company is from doing workforce development. So we do cybersecurity training. I I am a certified executive coach, and so it's not just security that we're focusing on. I spend a lot of time with business people, and through that business interaction, I have the opportunity to drop nuggets of wisdom about how they should run security within their organization and what they should expect from their security teams. You know, one of the issues in business as a general practice is that the effectiveness of the business is based on the culture that is developed by its leaders, and most business schools don't teach business leaders about cybersecurity. And so when you talk about what am I excited about? Every opportunity that I have to talk to a CEO or a chief operating officer or a risk officer or somebody else who is leading a business, not just the cybersecurity portion or not just the IT portion, it is an opportunity for me to share with them some of the value proposition of security. You know, when I was a CISO, one of the biggest complaints was that the board of directors in the business have no idea why I'm here. And now I'm on the other side of that, where I'm talking to the business and the board of directors, telling them, trust your CISO, you know, give your CISO the resources that he or she needs, invest in what they're doing. You're not going to see a direct financial return, but the protections that are put in place because you're willing to invest in something valuable is going to benefit the company long-term. And those are some exciting conversations. When you see that light bulb go off in the eye of the person that you're talking to during that conversation. Well, Keon, thank you for the work that you're doing, educating corporate leaders on the necessity to invest in cybersecurity. One of my pet peeves is for people to understand that cybersecurity is really a moral imperative when you're running a business. You can't be a good steward of people's information or even your own intellectual property and not want to do something to protect it. So thank you for helping be a drum major for that message. Hey, but aren't drum majors cool? I mean, those are always the flashy people, whether it's a <laughs> traditional band or, you know, one of the great HBCU college bands. The drum major is really getting everybody on the same page in step, going in the same direction. And how awesome is it that, you know, I've been blessed to be able to be that guy that tries to get everybody going in the direction of managing risk and investing in the right controls and the right strategies. You're absolutely right, Keon. And as someone who has seen some of those bands up close in person, you're right. The drum major is very cool, but also is that leader and focal point to help people be on the same page. So thank you again for the work that you're doing. And so given that you are talking to corporate leaders all the time, what are some of the common cybersecurity issues these clients of yours are facing? Well, if I had to categorize it, I would say that there are a lot of issues, and some of those issues are specific to the organization. 
uh, you know, lack of resources, we can't say is a universal issue. Some companies are doing great things with their teams. They've invested a lot. Some companies are struggling, even if they have 100 people on the security team, which you often find in financial services, but financial services are not immune to security incidents and data breaches. If we were to say, what are the two things that I have observed that apply to every organization globally, I would say that one is corporate culture. You know, if your company does not have good corporate culture that sees cybersecurity in a positive light, it is going to influence the investment. It's going to influence the attention. It's going to influence just corporate governance in general, where the responsibility of the board and the executives is to direct and manage, influence, and support corporate activities. If you have bad corporate culture, security is going to get the scraps and the leftovers. It's not going to be a strategic priority. The other area where I see a consistent problem globally is just complexity. You know, hat tip to my friend Ron Ross over at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. But Ron went around for years talking about our problem is not the technology. Our problem is the rapid expansion of technology with no plan. And that leads people to have very complex organizations. You know, if you take something like the open group architecture framework and do a formal enterprise architecture plan, you map out all the business processes, you know exactly the technology layer, the communications layer, the security layer that are going to allow that process to function properly. Most people have never done this for their companies. I appreciate everything that the Open Group is doing with all of their tools and their processes, but it's a tragedy that so few companies actually leverage these tools to their benefit so that they understand how does the organization work? How does everything fit together? You know, what are our critical connection points or our critical points of failure? so that they can prioritize the protections that they put in place so that you prevent an outage. And so what tends to happen is people have a business culture that says, by any means necessary, we're going to generate revenue and return value to our stakeholders. And that theme then leads businesses to expand rapidly in their use of technology and cloud service providers and other modern solutions without having a plan that says, how are we going to do this in a controlled fashion? How are we going to make sure that we understand what we're using? And how are we going to make sure that the right protections are in place to avoid unintended data leakage or some kind of security incident or compromise? And so, Kian, given what you just shared, what is one strategy that Class LLC has that will help overcome the things that we just discussed? The note that I made about how excited I am to talk to business leaders, it really starts at the top. You know, if you think about governance as a business practice, you know, I've sat on boards of directors. I've been there as an advisor. Once upon a time, I was the president for the Information System Security Association on their international board of directors. So having been in the boardroom and seeing how all of that stuff works, there really is not a lot of time to talk about security. And it's not that security isn't the focus. It's that for your commercial organizations, and even at the ISSA as a nonprofit, there are a hundred things that you have to consider. And so it requires that the board prioritize conversations about security. You know, the National Association of Corporate Directors recommended years ago security should be something that has a committee dedicated to it, whether it's the risk committee or some other group that's on the board of directors that they meet regularly, that they talk about the strategy, that they develop performance indicators and then evaluate them regularly. And what tends to happen is that I think that NACD recommendation came out around 2017, and then you fast forward until 2019. So Microsoft and March did a survey, and one of the outcomes of that survey was that boards of directors and the leadership of organizations think about cybersecurity one day per year. And so when you talk about how is Class LLC helping people overcome that, is really just getting the message out in front of the leadership from a top-down approach instead of starting at the bottom up 
trying to take a grassroots approach and using people that don't have the appropriate influence to compel the entire organization to pay attention to security, to take it seriously, to not limit your security program just to checking all the compliance boxes that are required, but really think about how do we do business what is going to create an interruption to the business? And then what do we put in place in terms of countermeasures and protections to protect data and stop those business interruptions? Okay. Now, Keon, you've dropped some serious wisdom, but there's something that you mentioned earlier that I'd like to touch on briefly, and that's the employee education piece. How are you engaging with your clients when it comes to employee education? Are you going on site and delivering training? Are there resources on the web that companies are availing themselves of? What's your delivery method? I'm a big fan of tailoring. And so if you go to our website, you'll see mentions of workforce development. But what happens directly with clients is that if we're providing professional services, there's a line item for training. It's an optional thing that people can invest in, but you know we'll sit down and do security awareness training, not using a tool and some pre-programmed solution, but actually sitting down, understanding how the business functions, and then making sure, based on our knowledge of what they want to communicate to the workforce, that we develop solutions that's going to get that message out. You know, people talk about your employees are the weakest link in your security strategy, but there is all kinds of evidence that exists in the marketplace. If you take the Australian Signals Directorate, they did a study and found that 85% of your targeted attacks are prevented by application whitelisting, patching your systems in a timely manner, and removing administrative privileges. And so that leaves nothing. You know, that reduces the attack space for users down to really your users are only involved in 15% of your breaches. You know, there's data that says that a significant portion of your cyber attacks are facilitated via compromised accounts. And so user education helps people understand how to protect their passwords, how to create passphrases, how to avoid writing things down. But the best solution is just to use a password manager, but helping people understand the risk that they pose to the organization, even reducing that 15% even lower. There's a responsibility on the technology management side that's going to close 85% of the gap. But 15% is still a wide margin when you think about drive-by downloads or phishing schemes or business email compromise. And so we try to focus on teaching people the concepts of greatest impact. And then beyond that, we have all kinds of certification training for the technical staff and the employees. I was one of the authors of the certified CISO body of knowledge that EC Council uses to teach security executives how to be effective. We do certified ethical hacker. I even have a collection of training modules for law enforcement because law enforcement is always under attack and they have a ridiculous amount of personally identifiable information. We do things with attorneys. So I have training that is certified for continuing legal education. But, you know, all of those areas where you have organizations that are under assault, but they're not the things that people focus on, like financial services and critical infrastructure. That's really the playground that we're running around in trying to educate, you know, all of the forgotten people. Well, Keon, thank you for remembering the forgotten people. I think the top two industries or verticals that are spoken of most when it comes to cyber incidents are energy and healthcare. And so if you go to any conference or you come across an article or you're watching something as it relates to cybersecurity, you would think that energy and healthcare are the only groups of people that have to be concerned about cybersecurity. But to the contrary, what you're sharing is that, you know, obviously there are other segments of society, other industries that also need that help. But I think it's very, very interesting that you mentioned the fact that 
most companies are quick to say, oh, it's user error or it's, you know, the employee's fault. But I think you shared some interesting things along the lines of it's not actually always user error. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Well, if we touch on the user error for just a quick minute before we move forward, I think one of the misconceptions about user error is that people present the problem from the perspective that there's nothing that you can do about it. But there are vast numbers of controls that you can put in place to limit the impact of user error. You know, you have micro segmentation, you have network segmentation, you have all kinds of technical controls that are going to lock down the system. The problem is that people don't implement those controls. And so, you know, if you surveyed 100 companies and asked them, how have you done your network segmentation? I guarantee you about 50% of those companies are operating flat networks. And so there's no segmentation. If an attacker gets into the environment, they can move laterally and compromise 100% of the organization, which is why ransomware is such a problem. You know, if you had um, properly segmented networks, ransomware could occur, but would be isolated to a specific segment. It shouldn't be able to cross the entire environment and encrypt everything. And so there is a lot of responsibility on the technology leadership side that is going to reduce the impact of users. And it's not that users are ignorant or uneducated. Take your average accounting person. You know, if I have an expert in accounts receivable, or in human resources, you know, I have an HR expert. Those people have dedicated 10, 15, 20 years of their lives mastering accounting or human resources. And so people who have spent 20 years of their life mastering technology management or cybersecurity, it is inappropriate for those security and technology leaders to expect that somebody who has spent the same amount of time focusing on something else would have the same level of knowledge and expertise that they have. They don't want what you want they don't have the same experience that you have. And so now it becomes the responsibility of the technology and security leaders to make sure that the right protections are in place for people who are experts in something else. Well said, Keon. Well said. And so at this point, let's pivot to learning a little more about Keon Williams. So these next series of questions will be specific to you. And the first one is name your favorite musician or band and why? That's an interesting question. And so I can't name just one, but I can tell you genres of music. I used to love rap and now what they're talking about in rap doesn't work anymore for me. And so I've kind of shifted from rap and hip hop to electronic dance music, gospel and classical music. And so my children play instruments. So I really appreciate violins and cellos and your traditional classical music. EDM, I can play as loud as I want and not worry about what they're saying when the children are walking around. So it's become kind of the background music when I'm working and the uh, gospel music just, I am completely dedicated to my faith in Christ. And whenever I'm feeling down, I need motivation or I need inspiration. That's always the um, background musical choice. All right. That's awesome. And next, name your favorite sports team and why. I have loved the Philadelphia Eagles since the 80s. Randall Cunningham was one of the first mobile quarterbacks and took football from being a pocket-driven kind of approach to the sport where people are really running around, making things exciting and dynamic. And because I'm a loyal person, since the 80s, I've just never shifted my focus. And so it has been decades of excitement and frustration all at the same time. All right. And how about your favorite vacation spot? It sounds cliche, but anywhere my wife wants to go, and it's probably the beach <laughs> because she loves being at the beach, but she works so hard at home to hold down the fort that whenever we take a vacation, she really is the priority and it tends to take us to the beach. Yeah, you're a smart man, sir. And what one person are you following that's innovative? 
So I would mention two people because again, I'm not the best at following the rules. And so one person, you know, I mentioned him before, but Ron Ross, I have found very inspirational. I had the opportunity to meet Ron way back in about 2004 when I was working in the office of the chief information security officer at the CDC. And Ron and I have continued to be friends even after I left the CDC as my career has grown. You know, he has been an advocate of the Information System Security Association. So when I was on the international board of directors at ISSA, we continued to have Ron's support at the local chapters and at the international level. But he is a huge inspiration when you look at his body of work, when you look at the Computer Security Resource Center that NIST has, that has all of those special publications. Ron is one of the influential people behind all of that. And one of the greatest influences in the way that I run cybersecurity and build programs is based on everything that I've learned from actually using the NIST risk management framework and all of the special publications associated with that. One of the other people that I would mention is Dr. Reem Al-Shamari. So she's the CISO at the Kuwait Oil Company. Years ago, she was in the certified CISO class that I teach. And so I flew all the way to Kuwait. She was a member of the class. We hung out for an entire week and we became fast friends and have continued to be in touch. But where people make assumptions about Arab culture and what women are allowed to do, she is one of the most influential people in the Middle Eastern region. And she is also extremely influential globally, where she is a champion for women in security. She's a champion for minorities in security. She is a champion for just doing good security. And so she's been recognized. She's gotten all kinds of awards, but just seeing what she has been able to do, you know, overcoming cultural boundaries and misconceptions and still advocating for everybody's success. I mean, this woman never sleeps, kind of knowing the difference between time zones where, you know, I'm based in Atlanta and she's based in Kuwait, but she is always posting stuff in our cybersecurity channel with the group of trusted people that we're part of. She is always on top of everything and it's motivating to see somebody who is so passionate about the work they're doing, but then sharing all of that wisdom freely with everybody else. Well, those are definitely some great examples and I appreciate you sharing that. And so, Keon, before we wrap up, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? LinkedIn is pretty cool. So if you just go to www.linkedin.com slash N slash K-E-Y-A-A-N, I made it really easy to find me. If you go to our website, just www.class-loc.com, there's plenty of information on there as well. But I would say LinkedIn is the best way to connect directly. And then it opens up access to email. You know, I'm happy to schedule a call, have a conversation. I'm not one of those people that's always trying to sell people something. My mission really is just to serve the global business community and my choice of service is cybersecurity. So I'm happy to help. If people have questions, if it requires more engagement and involvement, I'm happy to give people a good deal to help them develop a sound security strategy. Great. Well, Keon, we will be sure to put all of your information in the show notes. And so as we wrap up here, I'd like to tell our audience, thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next time when we'll have another technology expert share their wisdom. Goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to Tech and Main Presents. Be sure to check back regularly for the next episode and tell your friends. Thank you.